Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We want to welcome all of our campuses that's online, Manwatata and Hebron and uh, North Johnson campus. Hey, all of our online campus, our NPH, our Westville campus. Come on, could you give a good hand clap to all of our campuses? Let them know. Man, we appreciate our campuses joining us. And uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, grab them and grab your worship guide. We start a brand new word this month, and the word is ambition. I was driving down the road the other day, and I got behind a Volkswagen, and on that Volkswagen, the bumper had a sticker on it that said, when I grow up, I want to be a Cadillac. <laughs> That's ambition, isn't it? Uh, when I grow up, I want to be a Cadillac. I was asking Miss Rhonda this week, I said, what was the greatest ambition you had as a teenager, you know, and I thought she was going to say, well, it was marrying you and spending my life with you. It was driving a stinking car. That was it. Six, I want to keep wait to get my driver's license, drive a car, and uh, it's awesome. How many understands that ambition in itself, and we're going to kind of navigate this conversation this week, ambition in itself is amoral. In other words, it's like money. Money isn't bad. Money isn't good. It's amoral, right? It, money can be used for something good. It can be used for something bad. The same way it is with ambition. Ambition doesn't carry within itself either being something bad or something good. But what happens is, in order for ambition to be, to be discerned, it, it has to do with the internal motivation of a person's heart. And for better or for worse, Christians can have ambition just like people of the world, right? Come on. We, we know people. I, I was talking about Convo of Hope. You know how Convo of Hope started with Hal Donaldson and his brother? They grew up very, very poor, didn't have any food at one time, and somebody shows up at their house with a bag of groceries and helped feed his, his whole family. And out of that, as a young teenager, he had a desire. He says, I want to make a world impact in feeding the poor and helping those in need. And lo and behold, now there's hundreds of people, hundreds of trucks that just do that. So, so we understand that there are, there are certain spiritual leaders who's created world-changing ministries by just being ambitious. There's other people who did terrible things, and they, they pursued the wrong ambition. They went after the wrong thing. I give us kind of a working definition of what does it mean to be ambitious. And ambition can be defined. It's just that strong desire to do or to achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. But it's that strong desire to do or to achieve something. And ambition comes down to, to motivation is what's driving us. Now, most of us in this room, we, we could testify to the fact that ambitions can often get misplaced. Maybe ambitions can be, get misdirected. And even ambitions can, can sometimes be mixed. You have a mixed ambition. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's, it should be okay, but 
I'm not quite sure. I love this story. I, I put a few verses out of Matthew chapter 20. And this is a story where the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, that the mother of James and John, along with James and John, they come to where Jesus is at. Then the mother of, of the Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, ask a favor of him. It's almost as if you kind of see the picture that this mom has got her two boys. Now, these are grown men. But she got her two boys with her, and she kneels down as if she's whispering in Jesus' ear. And she wants to ask him something. And Jesus looks at her. He said, what is it you want? He asked. And she said, grant that these two sons of mine may sit on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your kingdom. I mean, she says, listen, I want my sons to be among the, the very best seated in the house. And Jesus responds, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they, everybody say that. Now, all of a sudden, these boys get a voice, okay? Mama's grabbed them by the hand and said, let's go see Jesus. Come on. We're going to go see Jesus. And we find Jesus and, hey, Jesus, can, can, will, will you please allow my boys, one to sit on the right, one to sit on the left? And Jesus said, hey, listen, you don't even know what you're asking. Can you really drink of the cup that I'm going to drink? In other words, can, can you endure the adversity? Can you endure the hardship, can you endure what I'm going to have to endure as, as the Savior of the world? And these guys respond, yeah, we can do that. I, lo I love their ambition. Come on. I love that. But do you, do you see how it's a little bit mixed here? Jesus said, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit on my right hand on the left, it's not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Now watch this. I love the fact that when, when, when they approach Jesus with this ambitious thing, setting right or left, that Jesus reminds them, you don't really know what you're really asking. Here's where ambition. You, you don't really understand what this is going to require of you. Now, I started to title this message of this sermon, The Best Seats Are in the Back, it seemed like it would fit, but, but I also knew that the backseated people in this church would never let me live that down. Well, you know, Pastor, I sit back here because you always say the best seats are in the back. Some of you believe that very intently, I see. But, but, Jesus, but Jesus is challenging them. Now, what's it? He's challenging them on what they're essentially asking for. They're wanting something. They're wanting seats of honor. And, and, and what I want us to do this month, because I, I think it's so important, you're setting in a church of vision. You're setting in a church that has tremendous goals and desires to make impact in our cities and our community. Now, how many understand that? I mean, this is, this, this is not just a normal church. The average church is still 65 people in America. The average church in America is 65 people. It hasn't changed very much in the last 20 years. Now, we've grown from 65 people or less in the last 20 years. Why? Because we have an ambition. But here, here, here's what I want you to understand. I want to make sure as a pastor and a leader in my own life, as well as for this church, is our ambitions lined up with godly ambitions. 
Is, is, is my ambition a healthy ambition? So let me just ask you a question real quickly. Are you an ambitious person? Let me see your hand. Are you an ambitious? I, I, I hope everybody raises their hand. Because, listen, most of us understand that ambition is what enables us to have a, a positive self-esteem about ourselves. We, we see it with parents. We had, we had our, our, our finals of our soccer league yesterday out here. We, you know, we've been doing the soccer league all summer, over 400 kids. I mean, it was, a, it was just like a bunch of ants out here on the north side of our property yesterday. But you could hear those parents out there, you can do it, baby. Hey, honey, come on, try harder. You know, what are they doing? They're trying to instill in them. You know, some of these kids don't need to play soccer, okay? Just that's another sermon. But I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, they got other gifts and talents. You're going to discover it one day if you're sitting here. But listen, what, what, what I'm saying is, is that as parents, we, we understand that ambition is what motivates them. It's, it's, it's what can get them. Most of us understand that ambition is what gets us up in the morning. At the heart of ambition is this, is this healthy appetite, is this hunger to do something or to achieve something. So what's that? I got to thinking, where does that come from? Is it just an American thing? Is it, is it just something that, that, that we kind of have because of, we're so driven by success in our culture? But if you look back in the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we're told how God, when he, when he took a lump of moist clay and fashioned it into a man, he blew into the nostrils and he had the breath of life. And the Bible says, and he became a living being, okay? Now, what's it? A circle that word living being because living being, nephesh, is, is a Hebrew word. It simply means that we are a bundle of appetites, Listen, God created us. He, he made us in his likeness and his image. He breathed into mankind. We become a living being. We become a bundle of appetites. That's why we want nice things. That, that, that's, that's why we want to enjoy the goodness of life. That's, that's why we want to prove our ability sometime to accomplish great goals. Listen, most of us understand that a healthy appetite Physical appetite is essential to, to a healthy life. But the same way a healthy physical appetite is essential, how many also understand that we need healthy ambitions going on in our life? If you and I are going to be truly be successful, now listen, we, we all know what it is to have a hunger to want to do better than what we've done. I remember having a hunger to get a college education. Nobody had ever went to college in my family. I had a hunger, I had a drive. I, I dropped out of school at 16, and most everybody had given up on me, but I didn't give up on myself. How I many understand? That's a good start right there. Come on. Some of you right there need to grab that word. Everybody might give up. On, don't give up on you because God hasn't given up on you. But I had an ambition. I had, a, I had a desire to achieve. Most people know what it is to have an ambition to get a better salary. Most people know what it is to have an ambition. I, I want a comfortable home. I want a loving family. Most of us know what it is to have an ambition to say, I want pastor to hurry up with this message. Yeah, some of you almost said amen accidentally on that, didn't you? But, but, but it's ambition, right? Come on. It's, it's what drives us. We, we know young adults today who, who are so ambitious, they're working long hours, they're, they're going the extra mile, doing their best just to move up the ladder. 
Or we know middle-aged people who will save and invest their money during their entire life only to try to enjoy their comfortable retirement. It's all about ambition. The force within us that gives us that, 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 that appetite, that belly of appetite that God created. Now, now what's this? Here's the danger, and here's where we're going to kind of navigate this. The, the, the negative side or the dark side of ambition is called greed. Greed is when we want something in our life, we, we want to do something, achieve something in our life, that, that doesn't bring glory to God, that doesn't help others. It's just about us. We want to achieve. We want to get more. And, and left unchecked, if I have greed in any area of my life, it's like cancer. It just spreads everywhere. And we see that happen in our culture today. Again, we have a culture today that is addicted to power, provenance, or more. Several years ago, we all know the story of Kenneth Lay, the CEO of Enron. Now, now here's, here's a great uh, backstory of, of Kenneth. Kenneth was raised in Missouri. His father was a part-time Baptist preacher and a tractor salesman. And most people say that Kenneth grew up with a, with a, with a tremendous big heart, but he was ambitious. He wanted more for his life than what he had seen demonstrated from his dad and, and, and from his family. So he went to University of Missouri. He got a bachelor's degree. He landed a job with, with Exxon in Houston, which later led him to a government job with, as, a, as a secretary of department of interior, undersecretary of department of interior. I mean, he's this rising star. So when the federal government decided to deregulate energy, Lay Kenneth returned back to the private sector, and that's when he formed Enron. Now, Enron quickly rose to the top, cutting-edge tech corporation. I mean, its socks was just soaring. I mean, investors couldn't get enough of Enron until it fizzled out. And most of you know the backstory behind that is that Lay and his executives, they were cooking the books and they were falsifying reports and they were exaggerating their earnings. earnings. And, and, and towards the end, the story about Lay was that he sold off most of his stock and he walked away with millions of dollars while everybody else lost everything. Now, now again, friends would say, Lay was such a good guy. He, such, he had such a great heart. But ambition drove him to greed, and greed led to his destruction. Matter of fact, prior to his sentencing, at the age of 64, he dies with a heart attack while waiting to be sentenced. Now, the dark side of ambition, and, and there's other stories out there, and I guarantee you, some of us have personal stories that we know people who, uh, 
out of ambition. They pursued the wrong thing. They, 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 they went after it all out, and, and they lost so many things dear to them. And the dark side of ambition is the greed. And, and, and that's the issue that Jesus is kind of bringing to light with James and John. He said, he, they, they said, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And, I, and, and, Jesus, and basically they're saying, hey, listen, never mind Peter and, and, and Andrew and, and Matthew and Thomas and Nathaniel. Hey, forget about those guys. We want you to take care of us. We want special treatment. And, what's the, and we're willing to step on whoever we have to step on to get there. Now, what's this? We're all ambitious. Oh, I hope we are. But how do we navigate this, this ugly monster that seems to continue to be raising its head in our culture today? How do, we, how do we make sure that our ambition is godly ambition and, and we make sure that we're not desiring or pursuing something that ultimately might be our end rather than to bring glory and honor to God? Does that make sense to you? Now, I, I, bring, I bring this word to you, and this we're going to talk about this month. Because, I, listen, I'm concerned about myself because I am a dreamer. I am a visionary. I mean, I, I go to bed at night dreaming. I wake up dreaming, having this, this idea of how we can impact Northwest Indiana. What can we do? I mean, we're about to build a 47,000-square-foot facility, $15 million. I want to make sure that that is godly and for others and not just myself. Does that make sense? I guarantee you, if I had time to pass this mic around this one, there's some of you right now, you're in, you're in anticipation of pursuing certain things. You're ambitious about certain things. And if you're not careful, if you don't know how to filter it, it may be something that will take you totally away from God's original plan and purpose for you. I love what Paul writes here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I, I give you two translations. One translation says that you study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. You study to be quiet. But here's the NIV translation. And that's a little bit more a breakdown of, of what it means to be quiet. He said, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Make it your ambition. Now, he's not talking about make it your ambition to not talk, okay? Because if, if, if that was in there, I, w- I would not be using that verse to this one. I would omit that, okay? No, he said make it your ambition just to be quiet. Now, the, the Greek word there for quiet, it means to live a life from disruption or commotion. In other words, Paul is shouting. Now listen, he's doing this over 2,000 years ago. He said, examine your life, live your life, live a quiet life, free from disruption and commotion. Now listen, if that was a, if that was a challenge, 2000, I mean, that was 2,000 years ago. Didn't have emails, you didn't have cell phone, you didn't have smartphone, you didn't have electricity. I mean, over 2,000 years ago, that's when you had to quit work when it got dark. Hello? When nighttime comes, you had to quit. Why? Because you couldn't see. If that was a challenge 2,000 years ago, if people struggled to lead quiet lives free from disruption and commotion, how much more are we in danger of that today? 
How much more do we fight that same battle? We live in the day of unprecedented distractions and commotions going on. Let me just prove. How many of you have checked your cell phone since you've already been in church two or three times? Don't raise your hands. You'd probably be embarrassed, but we have, haven't we? Come on. I don't need to elaborate. Listen, we, we, we feel like, well, listen, some of us have, have FOMO. We have the fear of missing out so bad. Other day, I stopped by the church. I was headed to a meeting. I stopped by the church, and I went in my office for something. I sit down at my desk. I took out my cell phone, put it on my desk, and, and I got up in a hurry because I'm going to be late, and I left without my cell phone. Come on, you ever did that? You ever, you ever just almost throw up in your mouth when you can't find your cell phone? Rhonda will come in the house. Sunshine, call me. Call me on my cell phone. Sunshine, Sunshine gets so ticked when Rhonda wants her to do that. Sunshine, call my cell phone. Why? Why? I don't know where it's at. I don't know where it's at. Listen, I, I went away, and everything in me wanted to stop and turn around and come back. But I didn't because I knew I'd be late, so I kept on going. And for the next four hours, I was out of this contact of this world. Oh, my God, how miserable I was. I wanted so desperately to call Rhonda in case, well, she probably won't need me. I didn't even know her number to call her. It's in my cell phone. Come on. I don't know that number to call by heart. But it's, it's that way today. We have this fear of missing out. So listen, I, I want to I share with you just some challenges. How do we make quietness a priority in our life? Because it's important right now. I'm not, I'm not here to squish your ambition. I'm not here to say don't be ambitious, but I'm saying, listen, we need to bring our ambitions in check. How do we do that? Listen, write this down. Communication with God requires stillness of spirit. Why don't God talk to me, Pastor? Why? I just don't feel like God speaks to me. When was the last time you were just quieted yourself in the presence? Be still, he says in Psalms 40, um, 46 and 10. Be still and know that I am God. Listen, our receptivity to God speaking, our, our, your, 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 your ability to listen to what I'm even saying in this 45-minute message a day, it requires us. It is dependent upon whether or not can you quiet yourself long enough. Can you put this gadget on silent? But more importantly, can you put this gadget on silent? Right? Come on, I'm pointing to my brain. This mind. Because i got all these things that's happened, all these things that's going on. Be still and know. I love Samuel, 1 Samuel 9 and 27, as they were going down to the end of the city. Samuel said to Saul, bid your servant to pass on before us. And he passed on. In other words, send him in front of us. But stand you still a while that I may show you the word of God. God speaks to us when we're quiet. But ambition is always driving us. So what do we do? There's two areas I'm asking God to help me with right now, and I feel like some of you are struggling with the same thing. The first one, write this down. I have to learn, I have to discover how I can quiet my own spirit. 
We all have work. We have commitments. We've got deadlines, responsibilities, appointments. We've got functions, school functions, work functions, family functions, church functions. I read the other day, right now, that the numbers of people around the world on antidepressants and anxiety and meds, listen, it is, it is outstanding. 65% of all prescriptions being written right now are for stress and anxiety. Stress is the number one leading cause for heart attacks this year. Stress is the leading cause for 8 million ulcers. Stress is the leading cause of about 50 million adults. And get this, 2.5 million children are experiencing high blood pressure right now. Kids having, listen, you don't get high blood pressure till you get 65. Not no more. You know what the number one, the number one uh, geographic of who, who's carrying the most stress right now? Are you ready? It's eight to ten-year-old kids. You know where they're getting it? We pass it on to them. They're getting it from us. What, what one study simply said that, that stress right now in America, that most Americans are more stressed than people living in war areas. Are you kidding me? More Americans are stressed right now than people living in Ukraine. I, I'm thinking, wait a minute, hearing bombs and explosions and sorry, surely they're living on. No, no, we're topping the people who live in war-torn areas right now. Isn't that amazing? Look at your neighbor and say, you stressed? Hey, listen, let me tell you. You know you're stressed when relatives that's been dead for years, they show up and visit you and tell you you should get some rest. You know, come on, you know you're stressed when you achieve a runner's high just by standing up. <laughs> you know you're stressed when you wonder if brewing coffee is really a necessary step in the consumption of coffee. You know you're stressed if you have this irresistible urge to bite off the next person who says anything to you. <laughs> now, I, I have to laugh about that because everybody, everybody in this room, listen, we can relate to how stressed we are. How do I quiet myself? Look, look at the psalm. Psalm 4 and 4. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Stand in awe. Stand in awe. Not at the next house. Not at the next job. Not at the next promotion. Not at your bank account. Not at the... Stand up. When was the last time you just stood at awe at the awesomeness of God? The majestic God that we serve. We don't have time to do that no more. When's the last time you 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 just looked and you you was reminded that you are surrounded every day with the glory of God? Man, I see all these. I love these little babies. You know, we got so many new babies being born in our church. You know, Caleb and Sarah, they had a new baby the other week. And, and then uh, Mary and Bryce, they've had a new baby. We've got others, uh, you know, Thomas, and, you know, they, they had a baby. I mean, we got to, and, and just to see those, that, that when they put these pictures on Facebook, you, you can't look but help look at that beautiful face. 
most babies are beautiful, and you see that beautiful face. And we have to remind ourselves, that's the majestic work of God, right? Rhonda told me the other day, she said, Phil, I read in the Bible that we came from dust and we returned to dust. She said, that's why I don't dust. I'm afraid I might have a relative coming. <laughs> so, can't argue with that. Who are you? <laughs> Stand it all. Then he says, sin not. Listen, most of us in this room, uh, everybody watching, we know you can never have any peace or quietness when you know that you've got sin in your life. Sin, unconfessed sin is what puts us into a place where so many times that we get robbed of that. And you know what the Bible says? Listen, that we have to be, uh, that we have to be concerned about that. We are, we are aware of that so that when we have sin in our life, what do we do? We confess that sin. We come clean with God. Commune with God. Meditate or search your heart upon your bed. Listen, right now, what is this simply saying? He's saying, listen, every one of us knows what it is to be overwhelmed and be troubled and find ourselves pursuing the wrong thing. The Bible simply says that what we need to do is just be still. Make your focus, God. Remind yourself of His faithfulness, His goodness. I have to make sure, listen, I have to make sure that I'm not my own noisemaker. Sometimes I can be my own noisemaker. What does that mean? That means that so many times as an adult, if we're not careful, we let all these little things that's going on around us, everything around us, and we make like everything's falling apart. We make like the whole world is just bad. I mean, everything, and we create the noise. I mean, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's the people who love drama. I call them the drama llamas. <laughs> I love drama. I was reading another study, a study the other day. I was doing a study on kids, and I found out that most healthy adults will have 10 shelves in which they position things on. They go from one all the way up to 10. And, a, and a, an adult that is healthy, round, uh, you know, emotionally healthy adult, they put every situation, every word said, every, every insult received, everything negative. They, they learn how to put it on the proper shelf. They don't make everything a 10 or everything a 1. Are you following me? You know who can't do that? The study says kids can't do that. Kids only have two shells, one and two. One is nothing matters. Two is it's the end of the world, baby. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, you ever seen a kid? They will cry. They will drag like their entire world has collapsed when their toy stops working. Or their TV show doesn't come on at the right time. Come on. Kids only are the only ones that don't know how to put things in perspective. Why do so many of us keep acting like kids in our lives? Quiet yourself. Look at Psalms 131. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned from his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. What's he talking about? We learn how to calm ourselves down. We learn how to self-soothe ourselves. 
What are you ambitious about? What's driving you? What's getting you up at night? What's not letting you sleep at night, lest you have a pill? What's preventing you from enjoying the life around you? Is that you sometimes you have to just stop and quiet yourself and say, wait a minute, God, is this, is this of you or is it just me? And then the second thing I want to remind you, he said, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Not just quiet myself, but I have to learn how to quiet my relationships. Because listen, if most of us in this room understand, if our relationships are full of commotion and disruptions all the time, we'll never know peace. If, if, if your family life, if your kids, if your spouse, listen, if your relationships are not a priority to the point that you learn how to quiet, that's the reason why he said there back in Psalms 4-4 that when you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Perhaps that psalm is, is talking about anger that Paul talked about in Ephesians 4 and 26. He said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath or your anger. What is he saying? Listen, we have to learn how to quiet ourselves. Because what's happening is, listen, we, we, we live in this culture today that so many people, because of this ambition and this desire for wanting more and having more and doing more, and they look around in their relationship, and if they feel like their relationships are holding them back, what do they do? They're so quickly now to turn loose of that relationship, cut that relationship. Oh, they were holding me back. She never believed in me. He never believed in me. And we sever our ties rather than spending time. What, what does it take to quiet that relationship? I don't know about you, but as I, as I live my life and I pursue the God dreams and the visions that I have in my heart, I understand the fact that my relationship with my wife and my children and my grandchildren, if I don't keep that intact, if I don't have that to the point that we're all moving and we're celebrating together, what is it to achieve certain? What, what if, have you profited if you gained the whole world and you look around and you have nobody to celebrate it with? Am I preaching? Listen, I've learned as being married 48 years that there's times you can be right and there's times you can be happy, but you can't be both and you have to decide. I love what Solomon said. Now listen, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. This dude knew something about women. He says this in Proverbs 21 and 9, it's better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Don't no matter how many cars you have, how big your house is, listen, if you're living in a house where there is strife and there is, there is confusion and there is all this stuff going on, listen, you'll never be able to pursue godly ambitions. Isn't it sad to you when you see so many families today, they sacrifice the peace of a family for the profit of the bottom line? And you and I have to work on that. Listen, again, it is something that culture has out there. Listen, they're always, look at Proverbs 17 and 1. Again, he, he says, it's better as a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of, sacri uh, full of sacrifices with strife. Better as a handful with quietness than both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. Can I tell you, sometimes the promotion isn't worth it. 
Some, sometimes the sacrifice that you have to make that make more money isn't worth it. Sometimes the better job or that title isn't worth it. But you know what? We're, we're just like, you ever, I know we got some cat lovers in here. Okay, listen, I'm not, I'm not a cat lover, okay? Love horses. I can tolerate dogs. I, but listen, what I do like about a cat, you ever took a flashlight and shined that flashlight on the wall and had that cat chasing that? Isn't that hilarious? Now, for all you cat lovers, I've only done it for exercise for the cat, okay? Because I didn't look too cool just walking a cat. So I'm just chasing it, chasing it. But listen, here, here's where I'm going with that. Do you understand that the world is like that for many of us? They're shining, and some of us keep reaching for the next big shiny thing that's in front of us. Only to grab it, and you realize there's nothing there. I'm empty. What have I got? I chased this in spite of losing all this back here. Paul said, listen, we have to learn how to quiet ourselves, and we have to learn how to quiet our relationship. Oh, how different would your life be? How different would my life be? How different would our, our community around us be if we learned how to truly honor God and put others in front of ourselves? I remember when Sunshine was in, we lived in Alabama. She was still a senior in high school, and she was in Special Olympics. And uh, she had signed up for some ungodly reason that she was going to run in a track and uh, she decided she was going to do this, and we, we supported her. And so we get there that day, and all the kids, you know, they're lined up. It's just like five or six of them, you know, in this little heat, and they weren't running very far. And, you know, Sunshine just all smiles, and she's happy, and, you know, we are celebrating. Yeah, you know, you can do it. What great ambition. And the, you know, gun goes off, and it scares one little boy, and he doesn't start, so they, 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 they don't nobody start till he starts. So finally they all say, come on. So they all run. And they, they don't get halfway down the road, and one of them trips and falls, and the entire group stops, goes back to where that little girl fell, picks her up, helps cleans up, and they all just kind of run arm in arm together. It didn't matter who won as long as they all crossed the finish line. Wouldn't it be great if we could be, have that kind of proper ambition for our lives today? That somehow or another, it doesn't really matter who gets there first as long as we get there. What matters most is that we honor God and we help others. So here, here's how I want to close this thing for just a few minutes. It's, it's gonna be, I, I, think, I think God's going to help us this month with this word. Because, again, I want to make sure. I, I don't want to spend my life, invest my life, my time, my talent, my temple, my treasure, my testimony, in things that's, that's not of God. But ambition is a healthy thing when, when we use it to motivate us for the right thing. So I, I've got three action points down. Come on, Pastor Lindsay. Here, here's three questions I just want you to, I want you to see a lot. Number one, how does your ambition allow you to serve God? Right now, when you think about the things that you're pursuing the most, you're spending your time, your talent, your temple, your treasure, your testimony, how, how does your ambition allow you to serve God? We're going to look a little bit later at Paul's life. In, in Romans 15 and 12, Paul, Paul simply said that I am ambitious to preach the gospel. 
Now, the reason why he wanted people to know that when he writes to the church of Philippi in, in, in Philippians chapter 1 and 15, he said, there are, there are some preachers who preach out of selfish ambition. They're, they're trying to build their own platform. They're trying to make their name great. And Paul's aim of preaching the gospel was to make the name of Jesus great. So when I evaluate my goals and my dreams, am I trying to make Pastor Phil great? Am I trying to make Heartland great? Are we trying to make Jesus great? That makes sense? Many times we, we forget that that needs to be our ultimate ambition. That we're trying to make Him famous. That when anybody comes in that sunshine center two or three years from now and they're being ministered to and volunteers are there and, and, and whether they're, they're teaching a class or they're doing a sport, that, that somehow or another they say, you know, this, is, this, this was all built so that Jesus would be famous to those disability kids. And here's the second question. How does your ambition allow you to serve others? Again, if it's a godly ambition, not only are we about concerned about God, but it should be about others. Again, Paul says in Philippians 2 and 3, he said that we should be doing nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. When our desire is something better and more, is it so I can have a bigger this or more that, or is it so that, that somehow or another that I can help other people. You know, I have a little journal. I don't journal a lot. Some people think I write a lot. I, I don't. I, I write down certain things. But I have a journal from that I started in 2020 when I was praying big-ass prayers. And uh, if you've driven by our property down on in Couch now, you can see my big-ass acre sign is up. Somebody emailed the other day said, you wasn't kidding. You was going to really name it that. I said, Sure. They said, well, it's a big sign. I said, it's big-ass acres. You can't have a little sign on big-ass acres. Come on. What are you talking about? But as I was looking through that, through that journal this week, I seen some things that I was praying for just a couple of years ago. Number one was to get a biker church. And we did that. God provided that. We opened it up in 2020 to, to, get a, to, to have a church that's just designated to bikers. And we're doing that. Another one was to be able to build a house. And we was able to, to do that last year. That's been a prayer for over 40 years. But in 2020, I really said, okay, God, I'm, I'm really, this is big ask in order for this to take place. And then another one was, I want to be a multimillionaire where I can write $50,000 checks just as easily as I write $500 checks. Now, I have to ask myself, number one, I'm not a multimillionaire yet, so don't come up to me after church, want your check. I can't. I can give you five on it, but I can't give you 50. But, but I'm saying, is, is, is that a godly ambition? Would, would, it, would, it, would it just be a God thing we're, in our relationship that we're connecting with uh, with Development Leadership International, the, the leader was down in Texas, and he was talking to um, a, um, a publisher 
that publishes a lot of mainstream authors, well-known authors, you'd recognize them. And he was sharing the story of Sunshine Center with this guy. And this guy spoke up and he said, you know what, there might be a book on that. Well, wouldn't it be amazing if God let us write a book and all the proceeds went to the Sunshine Center and millions of dollars came? I mean, just I'm just dreaming. <laughs> I'm just, but is it God? Is it is it going to help others? And then lastly, one more thing. How does this ambition, how does it bring joy? Because here, here's the thing. I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it next week and the following. But here's the thing. When, when it comes to godly ambition, people think, well, you know, it's, it's solemn, it's serious, and, you know, God certainly doesn't want you having any fun doing the work of God. <laughs> really? No. His will is good and pleasing. And listen, if you're pursuing something, if your ambition for something isn't bringing joy to you, it's bringing heartache, it's bringing trouble, if, if it isn't helping other people, if it doesn't ultimately bring glory to God, can I tell you just maybe? It might not be the right thing. You with me? It might not be the God thing in your life. Because I love the fact that when we do the will of God, is it difficult? Yes. Saying yes to God is the easy part. Following up that yes with obedience is always a difficult part. But every time you follow the will of God and you do the will of God, guess what? It doesn't just bring happiness. Happiness depends upon circumstances. But it brings a deep abiding joy. Oh, wow. This is amazing what I see. There was a song that we used to sing years ago. And this morning, in, in closing, I, I want us to do two things. First of all, here's what I want you while you're sitting there, just you and God, just quiet yourself and inspect your ambition. You and God begin to identify what is it right now that motivates you. I think inspecting my heart moves me closer to understanding what's motivating my ambition. So just inspect. What are you pursuing? Where's your time, your talent, your temple, your testimony, your trust? Where is it going? Oh, we all have families. We all have jobs. I understand that. But I'm just saying, what is it that you're truly pursuing right now? Does it bring glory to God? Is it helping others? Do you have joy in doing that? Inspect that. This song we used to sing years ago, sing it, Pastor Lindsay. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Yes. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Come on, just inspect, Lord, just inspect. Say, Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, right now, help me. Help me to identify what, what's my motive. What's my motive right now? Why am I wanting this? Why am I pursuing this? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Here's what, I, here's what I want us to do. Our campus pastors are going to get ready to come, but I want you to stand with me. Would you do that? Just, just bring my mic up a little bit. I want to. Our campus pastors, you, you guys are going to get ready to leave. So here, here's what I want you to do. I, I just kind of saw this this morning in prayer time, but I just want you to put your hand out like this, like you're, like you're holding your ambitions. You're holding them in your hands. I just sense the Lord telling us today to just bring our ambitions to Him. But before we do that, here's what I want us to do. I want us to do, we, we, we've instructed, we've asked a question, what's my motive? And now, I want us to be honest. Are you confident enough in God's love and God's care for you that you say, God, any motive or any ambition that I have that has a selfish motive that's not for your glory, for others' good, and for my joy. Just like sand would, would, would run right through your fingers, I want you, would you be so bold to pray this prayer with me? God, let it be sifted out of my life today. Let it be sifted out of my life today. If I've got any ambition that doesn't bring glory to you, that doesn't help others, and doesn't bring me joy, I want you to sift it out of my life. God, I don't want to spend my time, my talent, my temple, my testimony on those things that doesn't honor you and help others and fill my life with that joy unspeakable of knowing that I'm doing your will. And God, every man, woman, boy, and girl in this house and those watching online, Every mom and dad, I ask you, Father God, Lord, we repent of any selfish ambition, any conceit that we've carried. God, if that ambition is now turned into the green-eyed monster of greed, God, we're stepping on people. We're moving over. We're jumping over. We're tearing people down just to lift ourselves up. God, let it be taken out of our lives today. God, let it be removed from us. Holy Spirit, come on. Just allow the Holy Spirit, come on. Just allow the Holy Spirit. We're quieting ourselves for just a minute. We're quieting ourselves. We're quieting ourselves, Holy Spirit. I, I, I just see it. It's just like sand. It's just drifting through. It's just falling. It's just getting out. God's sifting. God, I only want those things that you want for my life. I only want those relationships that you want for my life. God, I only, I only want those habits that you want for my life. Those dreams, those visions. God, I only want what you want for my life. That's a big prayer. Come on. But if you pray it, and if you mean it, I guarantee you, God will help that ambition come to pass. Come on. He'll do that. He'll do that. Holy Spirit, this morning, come on, come on, just lift your hands now. Come on, would you just do that? Holy Spirit, thank you, Holy Spirit. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. God, that's our filter, that's our filter. Will it bring glory to you? Will it help others? Will it bring joy in our life? That's our filter. That's our filter, that's our filter. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I, I just, I just, I just feel before I close. I just, I just want to open this altar. There's, there's ambitions in this room that they're godly ambitions. They're, they're, God's giving you God-sized dreams. But you're battling and you're, 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 you're facing opposition, resistance. I, I just see the other day I was, I was praying about this Sunshine Center and I just felt like. I had a dream, I had a vision. I saw that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm in a room and I'm reaching as high as I can to try to reach something that's on a shelf. And I couldn't. I'm, I'm jumping, trying, and I can't do it. Then all of a sudden, this person walks into the room with a ladder and puts that ladder down, says, climb the steps and you can reach and you can attain. And they walk out. I don't know who that person was, but they walk out. And as soon as I just step on the steps, I just start reaching. And everything, I'm just, I'm just taking it off the shelf, Paul. And I, I, just, I just felt like the Lord was telling me that the relationship that we're about to develop with the, the Leadership Development Institute, they're going to help us get to that shelf. Because $15 million, I, I know it's a God dream. I know it's a God vision, but... I, I can't reach that, but now I'm about to get some help. Come on. I'm about to get some help. So, so here, here, here's what I want to do. I want to open this because I feel like this morning that, that there's some of us here today, you've got a godly ambition. You've, you've, got a, you've got a heart's desire to do something bigger than just yourself, not make a name for yourself. It's not about a, a business so you can brag about you. It's not money. It's really, truly to bring glory to God, to uh, help others, and add joy in your life. But if you feel like, I've got this battle, I've got this obstacle, I've got this going on, and I, need, I just need some extra prayer. I just feel like I want to offer that. I don't know, maybe one, it may be down in North Chester, and maybe one at all, maybe in Hebron, wherever that's at. I don't know. You may be in this house. You may be online. If you're online, identify yourself. Come on, that's it. Come on, she's going to keep saying it. That's you. I'm not going to ask you what it is. I'm not going to. I just want you to come because we're going to pray with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to. We're going to believe that resistance has to stop. We're going to believe that that any obstacle that's in the way has to be removed because this is a God thing. Come on, this is a God thing. God, I believe that. Come on, if you're in this house and you believe that with me, I want you to just come in here, stand in behind some of these. Come on, just stand in. We're going. We're going to release this thing today. God, you're about to break open the heavens. You're about to break open the heavens, Father. You're about to break open the heavens over this place. God, these are godly men. These are godly women. They, they, these are men and women today that's pursuing you first. 
Now, God, I just release that. Come on. Come on right now, Father. Every resistance, well, every, every distraction, every wall that's been erected, every stop sign that seemed like it's been there, Father God, you're going to do what it takes to get it out of the way. You're going to do what it takes, Father, to get it out of the way. You're going to open up the way. You're going to open up the way. You're going to open up the way, Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I believe that today you're going to give ideas. You're going to give forth the, the creativity that's needed. Holy Spirit, come on. Holy Spirit, just release in this house. Release in this house right now. Knowledge is going to come, Father. Knowledge is going to be revealed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. No, we stand for the Sunshine Center. We stand, Father God. Up. We're about to see it open up, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, come on, just raise your hands. Father, we have surrendered. We have released. We have relinquished control. We are in full surrender mode to your will your direction for our life, that our ambition is a godly ambition. It's for your glory, for others, and for joy in our lives. And Father, I thank you that we're going to hear testimonies, God. Lord, we're going to hear testimonies of what you're doing. We're going to see breakthrough, Father God. We're going to see breakthrough as never before. And I give you praise for that. Come on, right now, just thank him one more time. Father, we thank you we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Yeah, come on. Just turn around and shake hands two or three people and say, I received the word this morning. Come on, say. Come on, I received that word. I received that word. I quieted myself. I quieted myself. And I received that word this morning. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Woo! God's good, isn't he? Man, it's going to be a good word. It's going to be a good word this, this month. Today, right after this service, we, we've got lunch. If you haven't been to Discovery Heartland, man, we love to get you connected. You're not becoming a member today. You're not having to sign no card, nothing. But we just want you to know about the vision. We want you to know what's, how you can get more connected, more involved. We're going to be right over here in the Genesis area, 101, 102, 103 in that room. We'd love to connect with you. We're going to be down at Full Throttle tonight. We've got uh, Discovery Heartland over there. God just doing some amazing things at that campus. Man, I love what the Lord's doing. Amen. Hey, I love you. May the favor, may the blessing of the Lord be upon you this week. May His face shine upon you. May goodness and mercy follow you all this week. May the angel of the Lord Himself encamper up about you, protecting you from danger and harm. And we declare a blessing today. We release it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on. Give the Lord a good hand clap. I love you. You be blessed. We'll see you.